Can I help you? What do you want? Welcome back to another episode of Schooled. I'm Lib. And I'm Mel. I love how we say our names like in alphabetical order. I know. Is that a teacher thing or is that a human thing? I don't know. I like it though. Okay. It makes my like organized brain happy. Let's try it backwards next week and see it how it feels. It'll feel weird. I'm not going <laughs> to. No, I'll be up for days. Like, ah, uh, I know one of those clean out of order. <laughs> right. Well, welcome back. We are back with another episode to talk about. Um, well, whatever we feel like talking about, this is our, <laughs> um, this is our virtual teacher's lounge, basically. Is without all the gossip this week. So yeah, <laughs> don't you hate when people walk in the teachers' lounge and it's people that you don't really want to talk to and they want to talk to you? I do. What do you do? I kind of like just smile and nod and like leave. Like I just kind of like, oh yeah, like I gotta go. I have kids in my room and you know, like or something. <laughs> so I'm laughing because. um my sister told me this years ago. She said I was extremely rude. And I was like, no, I'm not. She said, you'll just walk off a conversation when you're no longer interested. But no, I don't. And so I've noticed now as an adult um, who's been teaching for a while that I genuinely walk off from conversations. So if people walk up that I'm not really interested in, in talking to, once they start talking and I'm no longer a part of the conversation, I just walk off. So let's go ahead and jump into the honor roll, or let's see who's on the honor roll this week. This week, I have, um, who's on the honor roll for me? I have PD on the honor roll. Now, before you cut this off, you're like, PD, what? But um, I'm really excited about all the different opportunities that are available right now for PD online. and the variety that's presented, um, just people that if we would have gone to their conferences in person, it would have been hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And that's a different story for another day because there's no reason for it to be hundreds or thousands really of dollars to hear you speak when you've just done it for free on the internet. Or not even low cost. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. Like a lot of more quality professional development has been available um, or accessible in ways that it wasn't as accessible. Like, but also I think it also like calls the question, like, what do we consider high quality? Because like you said, some of these um, organizations, educators that shall not be named that charge thousands of dollars um, or hundreds thousands of dollars for people to learn from them um have like you said offered free professional developments or low cost professional development um through virtual means and that like has made me question because I mean I've seen a couple of them I've attended a few and I'm like okay well if this is all you were doing at your you know face-to-face sessions or whatever like is it really even worth the thousand dollars Nope. Because I'm really starting to question, like, if it was worth my $30. You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes me 
it just calls the question like what do we call quality or is it only like considered high quality because like it's popular or trendy or um yeah like just what the what you know yeah. but um I am just glad that for one there's a variety of voices out right now so I'm yes, so happy about that so people who may not have had the resources prior to COVID to pre- um, present like a conference or whatever, they are able to present their information online and it is good stuff. So I'm excited about that. So that is on the honor roll this week. Speaking of people who won't be named that charge lots of money, there's another company that um, branched off of that, that does different things for school leaders and they're still charging $60 to hear some BS. And I looked at this presenters and it was a, um, what's the word I want to say? It was real vanilla. Mm, real so no, it wasn't very diverse. Not at all. Um, it was a couple women sprinkled in, but I'm like, if you're talking about leaders and like, get your, I'm not even gonna say it cause it's part of the title. But um, <laughs> it just it frustrates me when I see these things. It just like it just really clicked for me who you were talking about. Like, sorry. Oh, drives me insane. But outside of that, I'm really excited about what's being offered online right now, and it makes me think of like equity as far as um educators and the yeah. access to professional development because. Uh, a couple years ago when I would do trainings like technology trainings across the state in some of the rural parts either in the mountains or on the coast teachers had never heard of some of the stuff we had been doing for years and I'm mm-hmm. just like these people really don't have access to high quality material right. and the, in return that limits access to students having high quality materials exactly. so this has been a good time. The end. Yes. Well, um, I agree. I totally, 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 totally agree. Um, my honor roll for this week goes out to a podcast um, platform. Just a really, really dope avenue called Black and in Grad School. And this week they had a graduate school success summit where um, it brought together like different speakers of color and also like just offering resources to um, black and brown graduate students um, as far as like student advocacy, like how to get um, in the mood to write, um, even self-care topics. So it was just like really, really good. And it was free, which I totally appreciate. And I'm sure other graduate students could appreciate it as well. I know like my graduate school journey is a little bit different because like I work full time as well. Mm. Um, but it's, it was still really nice. You know, like it's always just nice to like know that you're not the only one, you know what I'm saying? Like experiencing like certain things in terms of like your graduate school journey. So that was just like really, really dope. And I really appreciate it. And they have a really cool podcast. Um, Alante is her name. And she's really, really cool. So if you are a Black grad student, um, definitely check her out. That's awesome. I love stuff like that. 
Okay. I know, right? It gave me like the warm fuzzies. I was like, oh, this is so good. So Mel jumped right into our topic for this week. We were talking about um, being an educator and being in graduate school. Dun, 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 dun. Or is that a happy music? like this dum 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 is kind of how we lead into all of our topics so (laughs) maybe we should keep it but um it's weird because being in grad school as an educator as a whether you're a teacher administrator whatever you may be and it's weird because it's like you kind of exist in two worlds you're like the student and the teacher (laughs) it's weird so I have a question how did you um how did you decide you wanted to go back to school? What led you to that decision? Um, why did you choose the particular program that you're in? Girl, oh my gosh. Uh, I turned on my interviewer hat. <laughs> you really did. <laughs> okay. So, okay. First you said, how did I decide, like, what made me want to go back to school? Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like, was looking at the impact that I had like within my sphere of influence in my classroom and in my position in my school. And I knew the things that I wanted to change, like I couldn't exactly change them in the position that I was in, um, in terms of a teacher. Not to say that teachers don't have that kind of influence, but the things that like were really grinding my gears and like keeping me up at night were not things that I could work towards changing in a classroom position, if that makes sense. Right. Um, or even to some extent, a principal position, which kind of speaks to like why I chose the program that I chose. So um, the program that I'm in is an education leadership and policy studies program with a focus on urban education issues. And, you know, unfortunately in education research, for whatever reason, urban is often synonymous with black and brown. Um, But it focuses on like black and brown issues in education and not necessarily just from like a curriculum standpoint, but from a um, policy and leadership standpoint um, on the executive leadership level terms of superintendency so it's kind of opened my eyes to a lot of different players or things that are in play at the table um, when these decisions are being made that are beyond our sphere of like teacher assistant principal principal because that's kind of like what you're exposed to when you're in the classroom Mm -hmm. um so I think I answered. Did I answer all? It was like a threefold question. So you did. Oh okay. no, you didn't. The third part was how did you choose your um particular program or like how did I choose my particular program? Okay, so I had been looking into the program actually like before I moved um to the DMV. So like. When I was still in North Carolina, I was looking at this program in particular and was researching this program. And I was only in like my third or fourth year teaching, maybe I think in my third year teaching when I started looking into it. Um, And so it kind of like was this nagging feeling. I don't want to say nagging, 
but it just kind of like felt like this was like the right place for me because it kept like coming back up and I was like okay like I'm gonna go ahead and do the application and honestly like how I like selected it was like the history of the university that I'm at in terms of its role in the um in like changing the education landscape as we know it with like the role of I mean I'll just say I'll just say where I go to school at should I just say it yeah like you can google it um so I'm at Howard and like Howard University's role um in like the Brown versus the Board of Education case and just a lot of like monumental education um leaders that have come out of the university are really like what made me feel like that was like the place for me in terms of my interest as it um pertains to like a social justice education sense right so yeah and also the really cool thing like that I don't I don't know I mean I don't go to any other school so I don't know this may not be true but for the first time up until I like started like my grad program like any other courses that I take in or graduate program that I was in or like when I was taking licensure courses or even teacher professional development like I was kind of the lone like social justice oriented person and so what I really really um appreciate about my program is like when I'm in the classroom with my um peers I'm not the only one that sees education issues or is concerned about um the education of black and brown kids primarily Mm. which is really like I've I don't think I've ever like been in a room where I wasn't the only one um until I got in this program and it's really dope because it's like although everybody is um highly invested in changing and improving the education system for black and brown kids it's like everybody also has a different viewpoint of it so that's really dope too um so yeah I too um felt like I wanted to or knew I needed to be able to impact some things outside Mm -hmm. of the classroom or change some things so that is how I landed in um a principal fellows program and uh, Leadership, I've never been one to really seek out leadership. Leadership was something I always ended up in. Like I was always placed in leadership roles. And I was just like, I don't want to be in charge, but if you're going to put me in charge, well, this time I'm going to do it. Right. Um, Or were you ever put in the position where it was like, if you weren't taking charge, then it just didn't get done? Oh, yeah. Plenty of times. Plenty. And that's not necessarily where I always wanted to be, but I'm just like, well, something has to get done. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Um, however, when I approached this program or this degree in particular, I said, I am not getting another master's degree unless I am not paying for it. Um, mm. Because I just didn't want to pay for another degree. And so this particular program, the principal fellows it allowed me to go to school um, on North Carolina's dime, which we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. The dime, literal dime. And um, 
Why is that so funny to me? Because <laughs> it is. It was a two-year program. And so the first year, you're technically a full-time student. And it has, like, stipulations on how long you can work. And the second year, you are a full-time intern. And so that's what I am finishing up now, this internship experience, which has been phenomenal. But I chose my particular program because, for one, the fellows program is only at um, a couple schools in the state. Mm -hmm. It has to be a state school. So Mm -hmm. my options were limited there. And then, which is not really that limited in in North Carolina because it's a lot of state schools. The state schools are good too. It's not yeah, they're excellent. Yeah. Um, so I was limited there. And then what else was my decision? So money was also a decision. Now catch this. Yes, we yes, we're funded by the state. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have money through that program. However, what you live off of is your refund from tuition. So that varies by university. Mm. So I said, well, hmm, let me pick a cheaper university so I can have more money to live off of. Um, because like UNC Chapel Hill, I could have easily gone there because it's not that far of a community. They have a great um, school leadership program, yada, yada, yada. But their tuition is like one of the highest in the state for public universities. And I said, mm. that would have left me with like, eight no seven or eight thousand to live off of wow like in a semester or for the school year for the semester that's still like that's not enough no not at all I got adult bills like no (laughs) right and actually I don't even know if it was that much it wasn't much and then because you're limited on how much you can work it's not like you could really supplement it all that much um, so anyway, I, that's why I chose, um, my university, UNC Greensboro. My other option was where I received my other master's at, um, A&T, but why didn't I pick A&T? Because there was a reason. So that, that would have made you, wait, where's your bachelor's from? Is your bachelor's from A&T too? My bachelor's is UNCG. UNCG. Oh, okay. So I was familiar with both universities. So I was like, I can go either way. But then also, mm-hmm. I didn't know if anybody else was applying to principal fellows from a and so that mm-hmm. would have impacted my cohort. And come to find out, I would have been the only person in my cohort. From wow. so anyway, that's how I ended up in my program. And okay. finished, I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about that. I mean... Yeah, I mean, here I am getting a doctorate, and I don't know. Like, and I feel bad saying that because, like, I don't want to be that part. You know, like people always kind of like have those feelings about people who get have a doctorate and go and get another degree. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I either have to figure out how to make my, like, what else I want to do work within my doctoral doctoral like coursework or yeah or I'll just be that person I have a question (laughs) yeah is 
it necessary? So is it necessary for an educator to um, pursue higher education? Oh, or necessary, necessary in what context, I guess is what I'm... So like, does a teacher need a master's? Do you think they need a master's degree to be considered an expert in their content? Do they need to, like, is graduate school necessary as an educator? Well, I'm going to give you the scholarly answer. So according to research, um, Linda Darling Hammond, I think 2010, did a study on like the countries that yes, are like uh, references. <laughs> <laughs> did a study on like countries that are like the top, um, like have the top education systems in the world, right? And all of those countries, educators have like master's degrees in um, education. However, those master's degree programs are also paired with a strong mentorship program for early career teachers. And that was something that also aided in those teachers. Because, I mean, I've known a lot of early career teachers who have master's degrees, whether it's in a content area or in teaching or whether it's in curriculum development, whatever it may be. However, that book learning, for lack of a better term, does not necessarily translate all the time into practice. Sure don't. And so I think if there is a intentional like practicum or mentorship there where they are able to get, um, be paired with like a master teacher, um, that's what a lot of like different countries do. They pair them with like a master, a highly skilled like teacher. Um, that way they can watch and kind of apprentice under that person to improve their practice. Those two kind of go in tandem. So it's kind of like a yes and answer. Um, but I definitely think it's, it's easy to say, okay, this person has a master's degree in education and they're like, cause you know, a lot of like places have these accelerated degree programs where it's like you get your bachelor's and then you stay like an extra year and you get that master's in education. Yeah. Which is great, right, in theory, but it's easy to say, okay, this person is highly qualified, like, you know, and throw them in the classroom, but they don't have that classroom experience yet, because most of the time they still just do that, like, one semester or two semesters of student teaching, which is not enough. And then they'd be in a bathroom crying, but, um... Listen, or they be in my classroom asking me what went wrong because they did their master's thesis on this and this was supposed to work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's also what happened. But it's such a big issue, though, because I've seen a couple teachers who um, I can think of at least seven off the top of my head. Wow. First year teachers, master's degrees and terrible teachers are yes. not terrible teachers, but just like they don't know because they don't know. They ain't been there. Yeah. And, and so, I, I get yeah. wanting to go through and like go and get your master's, go and complete it. But when you're in this particular profession, you need some practice. Right. And so I think from a student standpoint, getting the master's makes sense because it makes you competitive in the job market. Um, and it also increases your pay. So get your money. Um, except if you're in North Carolina. Except if you're in North Carolina, but sorry. Everywhere else in the world, 
Um, yeah. It increases. But yeah, it, it makes you competitive. It makes your resume look good, all of that. But I would just say from my experience, I gained so much more out of my program, my first program, which is in um, reading. Mm-hmm. I gained so much more out of my program by being able to go in my classroom and apply what I was learning. What you're learning. Yeah, I think that's a really valuable like thing. Like you said, like being in a classroom, being able to apply what you're learning at the same time kind of helps you get that reality of it, you know? Um, but I'm also going to add this one little caveat. So I think more than the early career teacher who is getting a degree, I, w- I wouldn't even like place it on their laps, you know what I'm saying? Um, to whether or not they are prepared or better teachers or whatever it is. I kind of shift the responsibility to like building leaders Mm. and principals and assistant principals and coaches and department chairs or whatever, because oftentimes, and I mean, you've probably seen it. I'm mostly imagining it based off conversations that I've been a part of. Where like principals see someone and they have a master's degree and they're like young and fun and they're just like, oh, they're a great teacher. And so a lot of times like the early career teachers that I know who like are coming fresh out of undergrad and they go to the accelerated like master's degree program and they like have a master's and they're going into their first year teaching. Like they will acknowledge that they don't know what they're doing. Like they will be like, yeah, I'm, I'm well, this wasn't what. I don't know what I'm doing, but like, I don't think leaders and administrators are thinking about that when they see, okay, this, this person's done this and they see this person's like shiny polished resume. And like, when I say this person, cause hell I was that person. Mm -hmm. Like I had a real cute resume. I had, I was almost done with my master's degree when I started teaching. So it was like, I looked good on paper. Yeah. And I was young and I was relatable. And so it was like, okay, great. She's going to be awesome. But I was also lost. Like, yeah. So I don't think building leaders think about or, or take enough responsibility in molding and mentoring those people because oftentimes they just throw them in a classroom. And mentorship is more than just telling somebody where to make copies and get coffee. Yeah. Um, I will say I've been fortunate. Uh, this year, <laughs> I've been fortunate this year to work with an administrator who um, doesn't like she's not with the BS. Mm-hmm. She like she'll look at a resume like, oh, OK, but it's more about how you respond to questions like the interview is what sells um, you to her. Right. Um, now, one other administrator I had, he was definitely a. Ooh, this is shiny. This is nice. All right. Certifications. And here they are in the position and don't even know how to send an email to parents or talk to families. No. Right. And I just think it's, and I mean, I'm not trying to like rag on administrators, but I honestly feel like that's what administrators get paid the big bucks to do. You need to be really <laughs> <laughs> like, you need to like make sure that you're everybody on your staff not just like your early career teachers because like your teachers anywhere in their career also need coaching and mentorship so yeah um I think that's the 
the point of being a leader, like you have to be willing to do that. And a lot of them are not. They're just like, okay, I hired them. So yeah. <laughs> you know, like, people. But back to graduate school, I have a question. So what was it like? I know your program was, well, was a little bit different in terms of how it's structured. But what was it like balancing coursework and your job or your like work responsibilities? And I ask that because I get asked that all the time and I barely know how to like answer. Let me tell you about my silly self. So my first um, master's, I started in 2012. So I was moving school districts. That's first transition. I was starting, that was the start of like Common Core. So Mm -hmm. second transition, new curriculum. I was buying a house third transition and then Ooh, I was also girl, did you transition to natural too then <laughs> no <laughs> I couldn't take another transition but um I look back now and I wonder how I got over because that was a beast and a half and I was working at a very um impacted school so and that was like one of the worst groups they had in a few years. So all of that combined, I'm just like, I don't know how I did it. But yes, it was extremely difficult balancing responsibilities. Um, just because I'm the type of teacher, and I know you are as well, who likes to stay on top of their stuff. And mm-hmm. it was just, some days it was hard. A lot of days it was difficult um, until I figured out how to manage all of those things. Or um, honestly, some areas I probably slacked in, um, or I know I slacked in. Mm -hmm. Um, You ever cry because you were tired? uh, No, I'm not really a crier, so. (laughs) That's how I knew I needed to change something. I was like, I'm only crying because I'm sleepy. No, if I cry, you better clear the room. (laughs) Oh, no. So you're like, I am a sometimes but like this semester there were times when I was like in tears because I was exhausted oh I'm sure like just done so because you had late nights too listen what's that song by Marsha Ambrosius I think she had an album late nights early mornings he did I love that one you should add a clip of that like just that one little part Late nights, early mornings. Now, that was much like my life from January to March 13th when COVID-19 hit. Yeah, this has been a blessing in disguise because I, I will say with this program, I was actually more stressed with this program than I was the other one when I was actually in the classroom because this program last year, I was only able to work in my previous position position part-time so 20 hours contracted contracted work um where I had been used to working of course full-time and so the teachers really built a system of support around me and I was legally not able to be there to help them so I felt more guilt of not being able to support like I was prior because of the program and I was just I felt overwhelmed then. Mm. 
Well, I know for me, and again, like I get asked, like, how do I balance work and being a school full-time graduate student? I don't want to say a lot. Well, yeah, kind of a lot. And it's like, I kind of give like an unanswer. Um, because it's like, I like live like seriously, I don't know how I do it. Like, I know it, things get done. <laughs> like things are getting done. Things are completed. Like I'm showing up places, but I am not quite sure how it all like work. And like, that's scary. Like sometimes to just be like, and I think it wasn't until like the pandemic hit that I sat back and I was like, wait, well, how am I like actually like functioning and doing these things? Um, and like really started to like look at it and like look at my schedule and like how I'm like planning my days and like things like you said, because some things just don't get done very well and like kind of get slacked off on and like, what am I slacking off on? And one thing that I found is like, I slack off on like things that I need to do for me, like in my personal life, Mm -hmm. like whether that's like self-care or like if I'm, I don't know if I skip a nail appointment every now and then or a hair appointment. Like I, I kind of like, like, those are the first things to go because it's like, I had to get stuff done for like school or work or whatever. And so like this semester, I mean, the last, last year was pretty chill. Like, I mean, as chill as it possibly could have been um, in terms of like coursework, stuff like that. So it's like, I would try to go to class about three days a week. Class has started like five-ish and I'm out of there by like seven something, drive back home. Like, you know, it wasn't too, too hectic. But this year, this academic year, um, I was a graduate assistant. Oh, and, right. And that's a whole other conversation we can have. Um, I was a graduate assistant and with my assistantship came a scholarship, which I am so thankful for. Um, however, with that, I required like me to do assistantship hours. And so with fitting in the assistantship piece, it's like I had to get on campus a certain time before classes started. So that way I could do my assistantship hours and then go to class. Class gets out again around 7.30. This semester, however, we had classes that were double stacked. Oh, my word. So I had class from 5.10 to 7.30 on Monday. And then when that 7.30 class concluded, I had, I think, the actual, like, stated hours of the course were 7.40 to 9.40 p.m. for the second course that night. So not getting home to, like, 10 o'clock I think the latest I got home one night was like after that like class got out was like almost 11 o'clock because traffic was really bad so like and I would wake up at 5 a.m to go to work (laughs) so it was literally like a like situation where I was like I wasn't really even able to like sit down like think about what I was doing like in the day I just had to do it you know yeah um so when the pandemic hit um, and things were closed, I definitely think it was like a much needed necessary halt to a 
a natural rhythm that my life has started to like take on and a natural and unsustainable rhythm you know what I'm saying yeah and so because I definitely think I was like crashed and burned like way before the semester ended had like the good lord not saw fit to be like I right, I'm gonna tell y'all to just go ahead sit down um, but and it's crazy because I don't want to like trivialize like what anybody's going through with the pandemic because it's very serious and like there are a lot of people like hurting right now and I totally get that um but I just know for me it was like with all the rest I had like way too many things that I was responsible for and so also on top of assistantship working classes I also took my preliminary comprehensive exam this semester, which is a whole other beast because like, it's like a two week, our program has like a two week window where you take the exam or whatever. And you literally cannot work. I mean, yeah, you can do other coursework, but it's so much work for the exam to complete the exam, to make sure you pass the exam that like, there's no way you could fix like I could have fit any other like coursework. So it's like, I had to like tell my professors like, hey, I can't come to class because I have to finish this exam and I'm studying and I'm doing this and I got to write this and da, da, da. And like, put that on top of like, trying to like write stuff and submit proposals and get published and do it. So it just was like this cycle of like, just constantly like being on and constantly going, 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 going. So like, I don't really know how I do it. I would say the grace of God, but seriously, like, I think definitely after assessing how things went for me, even though like the second part of the semester, I was like working from home and like, it was all online, like just assessing how things went this semester, like January and how I felt like January through that first two weeks of March, I'm like, okay, like we got to set up a couple of different, um, parameters around how we're going to like balance this thing like realistically um so I am still working on that because like I think people look at me and they're just like oh like she's doing it like she makes it look so easy and like it's hard (laughs) it is hard I will be the first one to tell people like I know some people say like oh should I go to grad school and people will be like yeah, you should go. Like, it's not that bad. It's not hard. I am not the person that says, tells people it is not hard because it is hard. And the coursework, like, isn't the hard part. It's the figuring out how to, like, balance all of your life stuff around, like, being a student. And then, like you said, like, being a teacher and an educator on top of that. So, like, having to tend to, like, my students' needs and, like, also having to do like things for work like I quit being like student council advisor because it was like I could not function as an advisor over a major club at my school and be a graduate assistant and like complete coursework so it was just like figuring out ways to make your life be more balanced and even though it's temporary it's like it's something that you definitely have to master, if that makes sense. It is. Huh? No pun intended. You have to master it. <laughs> <laughs> but you do. Like, it's, it's just one ball. So like I have a so- quick round. I have a quick fire question okay. for you. A couple questions. You can't, ex- you can't 
expound until afterwards. Okay. Um, okay. Online versus in person. Pick one. Online. Oh, you mean like whole program or just classes? Oh. Can you uh, specify? Yeah. Okay. So online versus in person classes. I'm going to say in person. Okay. Online versus in person program. I'm gonna say in person program. Um and I really wish I could expound. <laughs> um in class, so like still teach or go to school full time. If you have to pick one. If I had to pick, well, clearly still teach, because I mean obviously that's what I'm doing. So still teach. Okay. Cohort model or self-track? Oh, this is a great question. Like, I talk about this a lot. I'm going to say cohort model. Okay. <laughs> I just did that to paint you. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if she had to think. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the same questions before, I, before we expound and discuss this. Because this needs to be discussed. <laughs> okay, so classes, online or in person? Um, in person. Programs online or in person? In person. Okay. Um, I think the next question was go to school full time and still teach or just go to school full time? Um, still teach. All right. Cohort model or self-paced? Uh, I like cohort. Oh my gosh, we're twins. We are. Now... Mm-hmm. I'm going to expand on co- cohort. Yes, please. I don't have a cohort. I want one. <laughs> so I had a cohort in both programs, and those are still like some of the closest people in my life. Like we are homies <laughs> because yeah. it's almost like you go through a traumatic experience together and not necessarily traumatic, but it's just like we went through this together. We helped each other. Um, and so you just build really close relationships with them. And um, I believe in a cohort model just because you really need a support system, especially if you're still in the classroom, you need people who get it and um, who are willing to look out for each other. Now, mm-hmm. I haven't had any terror stories with cohort models. I'm sure there are some, but my experiences have been great. That's good. Yeah, like I kind of wish my program had more of a cohort model for the same reasons you were mentioning, like just having like that support system. And I like my classmates and and I are like supportive of one another, but I think it kind of hits different when like everybody's at the same step at the same time. Yeah. Let me tell you, some classes, (laughs) I would not have graduated without my cohort this uh, year because there are sometimes I was like, they were naming course titles or course numbers. And I said, what, what class are y'all talking about? Come to find out I hadn't registered for it or I registered for the wrong section. And so they literally saved my life. <laughs> Ain't that good though? Cause like me and my classmates, we do the same thing, like comparing classes. And then there's also kind of like, it helps kind of demystify like the difficulty of a course. If you have like a dedicated group of people that you're taking it with. So like, even though my classmates and I did not have a like formal cohort model, like the people I came in with, it was seven of us together. So like, I think out of the seven of us, it's about five of us who like, 
five, four, four of us who take all of our classes together, like that we needed. Yeah. Starting out just because it was like, all right, like we gonna get each other through this. So like we, those first, the first year and a half, we took everything together um, at the same time. So we made our own cohort, kind of like we're taking all this. It's so necessary. And um, just thinking about directions or reading a syllabus, we're like, did you interpret it this way? Or just trying to figure out what the heck we were supposed to be doing, when it was supposed to be due. It just helps to have those people that are also going through this. And it's kind of like built-in study buddies. You also have like, you know, people to help you like advocate for yourself or advocate for one another in terms of like things that may come up with professors or if you need like a little bit of an extension because listen we were definitely one to like at least attempt to ask for an extension um <laughs> like we would be like and I'm saying we like one of my classmates in particular was always the person who was going to be like okay so we all work so yeah <laughs> like which is great because you need that so but I definitely wish we had a more formal cohort model well um, like are you gonna be done no are you gonna be done no All right, exactly like <laughs> hey, have you started this yet no okay so you do you think you're gonna be done with like okay so like we should ask for an extension right okay <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna cc y'all on the email like <laughs> so, <laughs> same oh my gosh which I do think is also just unique to like educators being in grad school because as educators like you kind of know like the conditions I know for me as a teacher I know like the conditions in the buzzwords that I'm willing to like kind of be more understanding of situations when my students ask for an extension right so you kind of like know how to like you know persuade a little bit better and then also like our professors also know that we're educators so they do also understand that like people are administrators people are teachers people work for nonprofits, so they also know that like when we say we working like no we working for real we give these state tests so like we need y'all to um be a little bit more and like we're always (laughs) it's crazy but like we're always kind of like focusing like on the equity part, like, you know, well, to make this more equitable, you should give us an extension. Yeah. We didn't pull that, but it was just like, uh-uh. We ain't got Oh, we do. We'd be like, well, since we're an equity-centered program. Um, so with that same, you know, with that same thought process go into why you chose in-person classes in an in-person program versus online? Yeah. Yeah, that's why. That's why. And it's crazy because I was like, I think you heard, like, I said online at first for, like, classes. But that's just because, like, I'm thinking about my specific situation and having to drive. Um, Like, so, like, it's about, although I'm not, like, far from campus, it's, like, with traffic and everything, I would be, it would take, like, 45 minutes to an hour for me to get to campus. Wow. So that's just my selfish need of like not wanting to drive in my own personal situation. But I do prefer face-to-face classes because it's just nice to have that human connection and like 
you know, it's cool. Although sometimes, you know, you get tired of seeing your classmates and stuff and you get tired of like sitting in class, but it's just nice. <laughs> I do like the in-person model. However, mm-hmm. I'm thinking if I were to pursue a, a doctorate, um, just based on what my life looks like, like if I have a family at that time, I don't know, I might look for a more hybrid model or possibly even yeah. online. Just and I- Fortunately, like in education, there are a lot of like hybrid model programs because I know like several people who are in hybrid model programs. Um, My program is not a hybrid model, although they are, I think like earlier this year, they were kind of like teasing around the ideas around like making a hybrid model, um, which I think will be great, like because it'll help make it more accessible for people. Um, because a lot of people, like, even the hours that our classes, even though they're in the evening, that's still not accessible to a lot of people who are, like, administrators because administrators work later hours or they have to do things after school more often. So, um, yeah, I think that's really cool. And what was the other question that um, we talked about cohort model face-to-face? Oh, would you go to school full-time or still teach? Okay, listen, I got grown-up bills, like Liv said earlier. And it would be beautiful, like, if I could just, like, go to school and just worry about school. Like, I think about it all the time, like, you know what? If I could just go to school full-time and, like, just find, like, a wealthy benefactor. And I say wealthy benefactor because I can't play those sugar baby games. I'm not into that. Um, A wealthy benefactor or, you know, like, if, like, my parents lived in this area I could just like move in with them and go to school but unfortunately that is not the reality that I live in so therefore I have to keep this job yeah (laughs) plus I actually like teaching like I really enjoy teaching so it's like I really love that and it's crazy because like when people ask me about the balance part they're just like oh so like do you do your homework at work and I'm like that only was sustainable for so long because I actually like to focus on work at work. Yeah. And for some people, like I had a coworker, he would be like, hey, during my planning, I'm working on da-da-da-da. Can you edit it for me? Can you proofread it? I'm like, all right, bro. He would do homework there all the time. And that's cool for him. But this year for me, it just did not work well. It was like my brain could only focus on one thing at a time. And I chose to like, make my work hours although sometimes I did homework on my like planning but like work hours like when I had classes it was just focused on class yeah it kind of like I feel like it also depends on like what state I was in you know like so like where I'm living now it it could be a reality sure it could be something that I did because I mean I have classmates I have peers who do it who just go to school full-time um but as for me in my house and um my bills that I have (laughs) like and I don't even think I live that lavishly I just am accustomed to living a certain way Mm -hmm. um and so therefore it's like all right I'm just gonna have to be a little bit you know more diligent in my scheduling because I'm gonna have to do both um but like I said I have classmates who do both and like I said that works for them um but it's not really something that I'm remotely interested in doing speaking of which like hopefully um 
I'll keep this cute. But um, I actually got a call from someone at my university in regards to like assistantships this year. And um, was just like, well, yeah, like if you want to get the scholarship, you have to be willing to make like an economic uh, sacrifice and like quit your full-time job. Although that is not a requirement listed on the application for the scholarship. Um, but it was just like trying to pressure me into saying I would quit my job. And I was just like, oh, well, you know, I'll think about it. But truth be told, I'm not quitting my job for a scholarship that is not, that the stipend is not sustainable for me to live in this area, in the DMV, which is one of the most expensive places to live in the country. It is. Especially not during a pandemic. No. So. Nah, bro. I'm going to put him in the principal's office. I feel like it's real, like, a, has a tone of oppressor syndrome in it, if that's a thing, for, like, someone to tell a woman of color to quit their job and amass an amount of debt for two years. When working is still an option. Yeah. And I will say, um, last year when I was a full-time student, when I had to go on campus during the day, I definitely felt like an auntie. And I was like, uh... <laughs> even though I don't look that much older, I felt so much older. Yeah, I get it. Cause I feel that way when I'm on campus, like when I go in the daytime. And again, I think that's something that's like significant to like being an educator and going back to school. Like, because there were definitely times when like, undergrad students would be in the hallway and stuff when I was working at my assistantship and they would come in there cussing and stuff and just be yelling in the hall and I wanted to get out there and like tell them to shut up like yeah. I was somebody teacher <laughs> I had to remember that is not my role here or even walking on campus and seeing some of the fashions like Charlene would say the fashions the fashion <laughs> I was just like girl your butt is hanging out I don't understand Right. So I just had to remember, like, I am not a teacher here. I am a student. Right. <laughs> like, that is not my job. Like, to tell them that their language is inappropriate in this hallway for a learning environment. Like. So with that being said, um, I had a different principal's office, but I'm going to put um, financial aid offices or graduate school offices <laughs> Try to pay graduate students pennies to live. Um, yes, they deserve to go in the principal's office. And just because, like, I also feel like there's this air of, like, okay, well, we had to go through that when we were getting our degree, so we have to make sure that you go through it, too. And I'm not about those um, pay your dues kind of, like, academic hazing games. So, and I'm not going into debt, especially as a person who is a descendant of slaves in this country owes me. So therefore, no, you're going to, I'm still going to be making this money and the bag will be secure while I'm getting this degree. Know that. Yeah. It's like, till you do right by me, may all <laughs> programs fail. But um, yeah, I think it's quite ridiculous. There's. I'm just like, you don't live off of that. How do you expect other people to live off of that? Um, and I think that's one reason why some programs are having difficulty recruiting people because mm -hmm. I know one doctoral program I looked at, 
they require all of their students to be full-time, which means that they cannot work. And it's just like, but they don't have any funding opportunities. Yeah. So it's like, so no. no. Right. And so I think they've moved away from that now because it was an education program and they understand that people, it's just not something you can do. It's, it's not. Like you're giving up your, um, your license for years too to take off. Oh, and that's the other part that um, I was actually talking to my boyfriend about like the gap in, of, in employment history. And like you said, like your licensure years, like all those things, like, although people will say they, oh, they'll understand because, you know, you were in school and they'll understand that you took off. And it's like, but they don't though. Mm-mm. Because a lot of times like, and this is just being wholly transparent, a lot of times like the assistantship opportunity, and this is just speaking for like education, right? A lot of times assistantship opportunities or funding opportunities where you can like work and be a student or whatever in a capacity on campus are not providing a rich enough experience where you could supplement your professional experiment experience on your resume. Right. For a certain amount of time. So it's like, how can, and I mean, people make it sound creative, but it's like, you're not, if you're not getting rich enough experiences that will be like, okay, pointing to your professional growth, I don't know if it's necessarily worth it. But I mean, to each his own, like I said, people do it all the time, but I am not one of those people. Yeah, um, I am not either. And I think it's just really insane that they expect people to live off of that. I just, I don't understand. And I mean, I honestly don't advocate for, um, if there's like, if there's a way for you to do it, go to school and keep your job and still work. I just don't advocate for people amassing a massive amount of debt. Right. If they don't have to, because although you may be able to get like a scholarship and a stipend that does not necessarily cover, it's not enough to cover your living expenses unless you find other funding opportunities as well, which is also an option. But um, I just think people just have to be smart about it and make a decision that's going to fit them best in the long run. Because I think, I don't know about you, but one day I want to own a piece of land. I do want to. Yeah. I mean, you you already do though. So <laughs> it's a townhouse. So I don't own the land. I just own the. Property. Well, yeah, but one day I want to own a home, like things like that. So I just think people just have to think about it outside of the like the here the now kind of situation. Oh, one other question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to wrap up my penny for today, um, are uh, you one of those people? Who puts their credentials in their signature? What do you mean? So like, like your name, would you put M-E-D? I don't, I mean, I have a master's, but I don't have like my master's. Like, I don't have like M-A behind my name. Like, I'm Me not that either. person. However, when I get this doctorate, like, yes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but... That's the only time it's appropriate. I do see like the MED all the time. And it's like, it's weird. Cause I think people assume that I don't have a master's because I don't put MED by my And it kind of pretentious. I think it's very pretentious, especially since most people are coming out of undergrad with one. So I will say 
for maybe like the first few months after I got my master's, I had it. But then after a while, I was like, this seems stupid. I'm not doing this. Then I deleted it. Yeah. And I mean, I see people do it a lot. Um, and I mean, to each its own, you know, cool. Get it how you live. Because guess what? You worked hard for that degree. You did. It's, it's just not something that I do. But I just don't, also don't like when people assume I don't have one because I don't like listed by my name. And I will also say that um, I, some people don't need it in their signature because it's like, oh, well, now you're an educated fool. So, right. Like, I, you know, like it's crazy that you said that because the people who come to mind who have it in their email signature, and now I want to go back in my work email and just go look at people's email signatures. But the people who come straight to my mind that, that I know have it in their signature are all educated fools. See, don't be an educated fool. But. <laughs> Um, go get your degree, get your money if that's how you want to live, if that's what you want to do. I'm all about people getting their money. Like, that's important to me. Get your coins and elevate your minds while getting your coins. So that is all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed our episode. Make sure that you connect with us on social media. Um, my Instagram is leadingwithlib. I look like a troll account because I only have one post, but it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking that when I saw your account, I was like, oh, she needs to like post something. People are going to think she's spam. So my, um, my sister and a couple friends sent a screenshot because it came up in maybe you should follow. And they're like, is this you? I say, yes. I'm like, oh, we thought it was spam. (laughs) Like somebody was trying to catfish. Who's like, no, it's me. And what's your Instagram? My Instagram is Miss Andrews Teaches. MS Andrews Teaches is my IG account. That's where you can find me. That's where I can be found. And Mel needs to log off because she's being messy and sending people's signatures. So <laughs> we are wrapping up. <laughs> All right, we'll talk with y'all next week. Have a great day. Yes, have a great one. Bye. Can I help you? What do you want?